back in the green room. It's time to talk about movies that are related to the MCU. Welcome back to the green room. This week, we're going to talk about a documentary and a movie. <laughs> A movie, like in a goofy movie. A movie. A movie. A goofy movie. Who who let the goof in here? Just kidding. I didn't watch a goofy movie. I watched a movie called Wrath of Man in theaters. <laughs> That's the title, Wrath of Man in theaters. No, it's not. Um, so this is a Guy Ritchie movie. Guy Ritchie is someone who I normally actually don't like, but I like this movie. What? Why would you like this movie, Danny? Well, I'll tell you why, Danny. So Guy Ritchie movies. They're usually super cynical. They're usually super, like, I won't be like they're dumb, but they are usually really dumb. Uh, and they're usually racist and sexist. So, I don't really like those three things, usually. Well, I definitely don't like those last two things. Uh, but I can deal with stupidity. That's what point is. I can deal with stupidity, but the, the racism and sexism and misogyny, nah, get out of my face. Um, but Rafa Man is interesting and the thing about Rafa Man is that's kind of a bad thing for me to talk of choose to talk about for the green room because part of the reason I liked it is because I went to it uh I had got the trailer I think when I saw nobody a few months back but it's the type of trailer where it literally is like oh Jason Statham's doing an action movie all right like completely checked it out of the trailer immediately you know like yeah. I don't need to watch a trailer for a Jason Statham action movie so I watched this and I really didn't know anything about it other than I knew Jason Statham was going to stop a cash truck robbery at some point, which sure enough happens in the first half hour of the movie. Guy Ritchie, I feel like <laughs> I'm going to be mean to him, but it's also like I, I've i only seen Guy Ritchie movies post sellout. And I say that because he used to do these British crime dramas that I've never watched from like the 90s and early 2000s. And then he did Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr., both of them. I like the first Sherlock Holmes. That's probably the only ever Guy Ritchie movie I like. Uh, but I also like it because I think it's stupid. <laughs> That's part of the reason I like it. Uh, I think the second one is really bad because this first one at least has a mystery. The second one has the mystery 95% solved by the time we meet Sherlock. And it's it's not a mystery. It's an action movie. And that's why I don't like the second one. Then he did these two blockbusters. Well, he did three block. One of them I kind of like. He did the, uh, what do you call it? He did King Arthur Legend of the Sword, which I hated. And then he did, before it, he did The Man from Uncle, which I also hated. I didn't like either of these movies at all. I call them original, but that's air quotes. They're just franchise stars that are based off pre existing material, pre existing IP. We've yeah. actually talked about King Arthur before on this podcast, Legend of the Sword. I was not a fan. Uh, and then he did Aladdin, the Aladdin remake, which I don't hate, but I wouldn't say I love it. I think it's a perfectly entertaining remake that does better than most because it has the smartness of having Will Smith not try to impersonate Robin Williams. Um, mm -hmm. But then since he did that, he finally had a chance to go back and make these smaller um, crime comedies. I say comedies, but this is if any if this is a comedy, it's a dark comedy. The one he did before this was The Gentleman, which very racist very sexist there's a lot in that movie i could get into but thankfully i'm not talking about the gentleman today um but that was my main fear going into rafa man that the sexism and racism of that movie was going to come into fate to it but the thing is with rafa man is that i definitely wouldn't say it's racist maybe i'm wrong i'm white obviously i can't make that call but i 
don't really think anything in it is racist. Uh, it does have violence towards women in it, but the violence of women towards it are very. The movie is very obviously critiquing the characters doing it, uh, and I don't think it's. I think. I'm 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 trying to trip over my words. I think that it is the I think the violence towards the men is way worse. I'll put it, put it that way. It's way more graphic. It usually cuts away. It just makes you feel uncomfortable. And the, when I say violence towards women, I don't mean towards other criminals. I mean towards like innocent women in the movie. I don't mean like mm. oh there's another criminal. I'm talking specifically. I can talk about this. this is kind of a spoiler, but not really. They need to get information from a guy. They kidnap him. And they begin to put, like, a bag over his head to try to get him to torture. And he's like, I'm still not talking. So then they put a bag over his girlfriend's head for, like, ten seconds. And it's kind of awkward. It, it makes you uncomfortable, but it's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. That's my point. These are not good people. Like, I'm not... Yeah. It's not like his other movies where it's outright... I'm I'm harping too much on this point. The point is that Rafa Man is meant to be a gritty crime movie. And I think it succeeds at it for the most part. Which is interesting because going into it, you see a Jason Statham action movie in 2021. I generally assume it's going to be an action comedy. Um, or a John, I was assuming this was going to be a John Wick ripoff. Cause I feel like nowadays there's so many movies that are John Wick ripoffs. Nobody was a John Wick ripoff. I think pretty much mostly in movies now that John Wick has become such a big deal are John Wick ripoffs. And honestly, the whole idea of there being an older man action movie, people call these dad action movies, but my dad has never liked R-rated action movies. So I, I don't ever call them that. But for the sake of this, I'll talk about, I'll, I'll call it a dad movie. I'll call it a dad action movie. Cause that's. That's a good name for the subgenre, I feel like, you know? Like, action movie starring people your dad liked. Um, so, the dad action movies, to me, outside of John Wick, John Wick is the only one that really nails the world building and the action. I think most of the John Wick ripoffs really nail the action, but completely fail in the world building. Nobody actually did better than this than most. It kept the world very insular, and as such, it didn't... Immediately, like, John Wick in the first movie... It keeps it very insular, and then it expands out. These other movies that try to rip it off always try to go big immediately, and as such, they don't work. Um, mm. Rafa Man, to me, starts slow, and it's like chapter titled. It's among those movies with chapter titles. And as the chapter titles appear, it grows out in scope in the sense that I was not bothered by it. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't think Guy Ritchie knows how to shoot action, but that's okay. I was more interested by the story in this. Uh, because it's kind of... Do you remember perception shifts in playwriting? Or did you not... Did you, I forget if you covered that. If you, you heard about perception I, shifts. I didn't uh, take playwriting class. Oh, okay. I like thought you might have. one... Yeah, Come no, on. that was like the one, on. one thing that I did not cover. All right, well, this movie basically... It's weird to talk about spoiling the whole thing. But it jumps from points of views. Basically, the first act is a point of view that's a bit more like of a general point of view for everyone. The second act is another character's point of view from six months prior to the first act. Then it's a third group of characters' point of view from the third act. And then the th- from four, five months back. And then the third act is everything finally colliding. So the third act is kind of interesting because I realized in the third act that a lot of the thinly drawn characters from the first act, they'd cast well because I remembered every single one of them and I still cared about them to a degree. Like, that's too much of a degree. But this is like one of those action movies where, like, I always felt like... I felt sad when people got killed, even when they were, like, just people who were robbing a truck. 
Like, mm-hmm. and I feel like that was the point of it. I think it was meant to say that this killing is really hard on these people because some. I'm gonna spoil one thing right now about this movie, but it happens a half hour in. Sorry, I have to to talk about this. Is that it's revealed that the first half hour, Jason Statham is a complete enigma. You're trying to figure out who he is. Turns out his son died. He's on a mission for revenge. But the thing is, is like he's clearly like a mob man, or at least has connections somehow to them. Like he's he's you know he he's a he's a criminal basically. So, but you kill, his son gets killed, of course I'm going to want him to have revenge, right? Even if he does do sometimes bad things to get it. I get iffy about it, but it's also like, you know, for the type of genre this is, I get it, you know? It's going to be gritty, it's going to be dark, and I can tell that he doesn't like doing it, and his co-workers, who are also criminals, don't like doing it. It's kind of a morose watch, honestly, at points, and that's what really surprised me about it. I was expecting this to be like a fun state of action comedy, and I do think it's a black comedy. You know what I mean? It's a very dark comedy. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. I really liked it. And I was surprised by it. I'm surprised that was my takeaway from it. And I know I'm kind of, again, I'm kind of talking around the movie. But I think it's a good movie. And I was surprised by how much I liked it. Because I really have not liked a Guy Ritchie movie ever before this. Um, I thought Satan gotcha. was good. The cast was really good. A lot of actors who you would not know the name of, but when you see them in the movie, you'd be like, I know this guy from somewhere. Um, yeah. Also, Scott Eastwood is in it, which just makes me laugh. Uh, and he gets the end credit, which is really funny. Also, <laughs> one of the reasons that I watch this is because I watch another podcast called We Heart Heartnet. Watch. I listen to it, but you know what I mean. And that podcast is about uh, Patrick Williams, who is a YouTuber I like, and two of his friends going for the movies of Josh Hartnett. With Tyler, if you don't know who that is, I don't blame you. I've literally seen one Josh Hartnett movie until I saw Wrath of Man, and now I've seen two. Josh Hartnett was in this. Josh Hartnett was like a heartthrob. Uh, no pun intended. He was a heartthrob in the early 2000s who hmm. kept on almost getting yeah. the A-list, but then he actively chose not to. As in, he literally turned down the roles for both Batman and Batman Begins and Superman and Superman Returns. They were offered him. He's like, no, I don't want to do it. Wow. Uh, so he's an interesting guy. Uh, and it's interesting to see him in a movie again. Like, a, because this is a mainstream movie. Um, it's a lower budget movie. And that's also the thing, too. I hate to be like, because I always talk about the theaters here on this podcast. I talk about it everywhere. But this was a type of movie where I could I could have easily seen it sold to Netflix during the pandemic. And no one would have talked about it. And no one is talking about it now it's in theaters. But I guarantee you, if this was on Netflix, I would not give it my full attention. It's a definition of a movie you give a half attention to. Because it's, it's like a crime. Because it's not, it's not really doing anything new. It's just doing it well to me. And yeah, yeah, I yeah. liked it. It was a good movie. Monster Off a Man for you. In theaters now. Oh, good. Guy Ritchie. Jason Statham. Josh Hartnett. I don't know. <laughs> a bunch of people you're not going to know by name besides that. Well, this week I uh, realized that my Apple TV Plus subscription is uh, running up very soon. Uh-oh. And I probably won't, won't renew it because I have five other streaming services. Uh, um, I think you're going to get it for one month to binge Ted Lasso Season 2. That's my prediction. I haven't. I've not even seen Ted Lasso season one. What? So. I thought we talked about it. You have to watch we it. Have. I'll let you watch a TV show we, if you watch Ted Lasso. I said. Yeah. I. I think. I think. I'm. Rem, I remember back to that episode. You said 
Tyler, <laughs> you would like Ted Lasso, and I was like, I know about it. And you were like, Oh, you've seen it? Okay. And, <laughs> and you just saw me run say anything it. about <laughs> it afterwards. <laughs> well, that's so, funny because now when Caleb was on, I was like, Oh, comes out. I was like, Oh, Tyler's seen Ted Lasso too. Uh, <laughs> so, <that's, laughs> uh, well, yeah, so, yeah anyways, anyway, you should definitely watch that before you run out. Uh, just saying. I watched, I watched the 2020 release. Uh, Beastie Boys story on Apple TV Plus. Uh, this is a Spike Jones directed live documentary. Um, we'll get to that in a moment. And it's the story of Beastie Boys as told by Mike D and Ad Rock. Um, if you're a Beastie Boys fan, then you'll know who they are. If not, it's two of the band members. I say live documentary, and I, when I read the description for this, I wondered what the heck that meant um, because I was like, documentaries are film. I, how, what's a live documentary? Um, and what they what they did is it was Mike D and Ad Rock both went on stage while there there were video clips and um, pictures shown on a big screen behind them. Um, Spike Jones now he makes a few vocal appearances i guess um in in this in the doc um and they they're well chosen and of course spike jones it they're they're comedic um and i i i appreciate him for what they are basically it's it's mike d and ad rock doing a live powerpoint presentation but like a slideshow of their their band like how their band came together and going over the success of their band. Uh, the third member, Adam Yauk, um, he died of cancer in 2012. The band officially disbanded at that time, or rather they stopped um, making music at that at that point, and they decided that in honor of, of uh, Adam Yauk that they would they would step back. When the band first started, Beastie stood for Boys Entering Anarchistic States Towards Inner Excellence, which both Mike D and Ad Rock say is just a very confusing term at the be anyways, because there's boys is already in the name the band name anyways. And then they also had a a girl that was a drummer um for them at that time. So they, they said they were very <laughs> the their their uh, band name was a conflict all in itself, um, but the the genre uh, BC's genre is a mystery. They can't really be put in a box, and they describe their early selves as hardcore punk with a mixture of Monty Python and Black Flag, which is very very. If you know what all of those references are, that paints a very very vivid picture in your mind and if if you've heard any bc boys that it's like it's you'd be like yeah yeah that's yeah. that's exactly exactly them um they were heavily influenced by run dmc whom they eventually opened for on tour um the experience of this documentary is very genuine and i th i think that's obviously the live documentary experience they had a live audience there and they were telling their story you know, live to this audience. So the the experience of the documentary 
therefore, is very genuine. And uh, the B-Boys are entrepreneurs to the max. They were entrepreneurs before entrepreneurship became cool. Um, Largely in part to their charisma and something that this doc did a great job of capturing. So they were high schoolers when their band's journey began. Back in the day of MTV Prime when MTV did music videos all day long. Um, A really cool part in this doc is uh, a callback to a green room that we did, I think, a couple months back, Danny, um, when I watched the Led Zeppelin documentary. Mm. Um, So they described how they created the track for Ryman and Steelin'. So band member Adam Yauk took Led Zeppelin's When the Levee Breaks, and he took the... That song was on film, and he wrapped film from one of the reels around two mic stands and a chair before feeding it back into the second reel to make the intro of Levy Breaks play on repeat, mm-hmm. which lays down the main beat for Ryman and Steelin'. Um, now, this is in, in the... Uh, Mike D says this in the documentary, that this was before the age of the internet. You know, so it was just Adam Yelk was just like, hey, let's try this. And just innovative and really, you know, creative getting getting with it. Um, Ad-Rock is also in a movie called Lost Angels. He begs the audience not to watch it. Um, so course, I looked it you up. you got to watch it, because, right? Exactly, because I was like, I've got to. It's not anywhere that I can stream. I can buy it on Amazon Prime, but I can't, like, I can't rent or uh, stream it anywhere. So, unfortunately... Uh, that one will have to wait. That one will have to be shelved for a little bit. Um, there's an emotional thorough line of the documentary as well, which completes the piece. Um, BC Boy's story is a it's it's a well versed view into the workings of the mu- U.S. music in- industry, pop culture history, and an original origin story. Um, so. So yeah, I, de- I definitely recommend it. Um, I'm no longer giving documentary star ratings like I do other green room films. I so instead, I'll give to, it either <laughs> I'll I give mean. it either a rating of clickbait or just great. And I give BC Boys Story on Apple TV Plus a rating of just great. Nice. Well, I don't have anything to say about a documentary I haven't watched. So just like Tyler doesn't have anything you... to say about a Guy Ritchie movie I didn't watch. So it's okay. You should probably listen to the great BC Boys ballad known as I, No Sleep Till Brooklyn and I, just crank it on loud the whole way into work tomorrow. I just know the BC Boys song I've heard is the one where Captain Kirk blares it in Star Trek Beyond of Sabotage. Sabotage. Yeah, I, I know. I'm yeah. just thinking like that one. But yeah. That's like the one, that's the one that ev- everyone's probably heard. Alright, well, that's our green room this week. Join us for the next episode where we're going to talk about Loki, episode 2, The Phantom Menace. See you then.